0: Welcome to the very first episode of Production Music Demystified with Mediatrax Music, a microcast of Music Works. Today we have the honour of welcoming our guest Simon James, Head of the UK Office of Harvest Media. In this mini episode we will discuss production industry and its different areas, uh, trailers, ads, film, TV and games. We'll also give an overview of copyright and some tips to composers and writers entering the industry. First, before we say hello to Simon, uh, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK. And it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the MU.org. Welcome, Simon. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice to meet you, Casey. Thank you. So today we're talking to Simon James, um, and you are going to give us um, the lowdown on exactly what production music is and the kind of introduction to, to this series on demystifying production music. Um, but first of all, uh, please, would you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your yourself and your career?
1: Sure. Um, I'll try and keep it sweet, though. I guess it's been quite a while that I've been in the business. I started... <laughs> um back in the 80s when it was still all about vinyl uh, even just before cd but not much too before um i've worked as a production music publisher for a variety of businesses uh, small and large uh, over that time um i won't go through the list but through acquisition there were quite a few businesses although i pretty much only really ever had one job um, which was very much uh, on the marketing side uh, the longest time was with a company called music house which got bought by emi um and uh you know so like i say a small startup and then a big major as well just in one job Um, but uh and then in 2014 i took a role um with the prs um heading up the sort of production music representation for writers and publishers at prs but also um, in association with mcps the licensing body in the uk um and i did that for just about five years and then uh, took voluntary redundancy and in the last couple of years i've been uh, working with a company called harvest media um, which provides a lot of uh, search and distribution tools as software and online um, services for production music companies that, and sort of sync businesses in general um, so i'm based in london though the, the company is australian and uh, so i talked to all the european and, and uh, uk clients for them so uh yeah predominantly publishing uh, over over three decades and a bit um but uh associated businesses as well so um you know but it's all all kind of glued together by uh production music um over over all that time really
0: fantastic the the perfect set of experience to uh, to give us some top tips on this uh, this complex business now, then. Thank you so much. Um, so let's dive into, can you give some sort of overview of what production music actually is, what we mean by that, what the different types of it are?
1: Well, actually, you just used a really interesting word, complex. That, that's the one thing that it really shouldn't be. Um, production music should be simple in terms of simple to uh, access and license, uh, you know, affordable um and you know comprehensively available to anyone who wants to you know needs to license some music legitimately into um, any kind of production but maybe doesn't have the budget for a well-known tune and very often doesn't need a well-known tune anyway because there's an awful lot of music available in the world which is actually um, potentially improved by not being familiar um so um yeah, there, there's all sorts of, within then that offering of production music, there's all sorts of different ways that people can access it. Um, but as I say, at, at, at its heart, it needs to be simply uh, available and, and easily licensed. Um, it's about uh, a simplistic rights offering. It's about um, a kind of assured uh, product, if you like, You know, making sure that users of music get something for a relatively modest fee, um and are able to uh you know go ahead and use that without fear of finding that there's some dodgy sample in it or or whatever so it's all about legitimacy and um assurance of you know good quality um appropriate music um so that's kind of like if you like a legal combination with a creative combination there's a variety of disciplines in order to get from the studio to the edit suite um, and and to the users, so uh, I guess we can break down into those components a little bit more.
0: Mm, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think when I so I, I agree with you about the simplicity aspect, and I, and I and um, I think when I said complex, I think that the, the thing is is that. From the point of view of writers and composers, this does, especially those who perhaps are thinking about going into production music but aren't really in it at the moment. This certainly feels like a very different world to the to the world of commissioning concert music or writing songs for for performance.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely, and and they're all different. Um, you know, different disciplines, different products. You know, I use these words, you know, reluctantly, but 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 they are ultimately that. It's a utility. Yeah it's a utility um, it's a business side of music you know offering music as a utility um, which is often an unpalatable way of describing something but I kind of do so to to separate it really from the consumer mm. um, business which is all about enjoyment and you know promoting a product or you know a project or an album or whatever it is because you want fans to love it um, it's not necessarily about loving the music though people do enjoy plenty of production music obviously but um, you know, it's about providing a useful tool that editors, producers, etc., makers uh, uh, can use to enhance their visuals more often than not, although sometimes audio only as well. Um, so, yeah, but it seems complex. It's an entirely different model. I mean, for most of my um, working life, it was kind of only a handful of people, really, that were dealing with it around the world. Um, and it was sort of, you know, brushed under the carpet. Um, because it's sort of you know ignored by the mainstream business um but these days there's a lot more people involved and a lot more businesses obviously the the cost of route to market is a lot lower as well um but in in the um growth of the business it's also uh, a lot more players but become a lot more complex I I think in the digital age as well um with a lot more outlets than it, it used to be all about the synchronization mechanical transfer um and you know just getting a single license and it was i mean i think i was in the business for for quite a few years myself before i realized that a single license was taking care of a multitude of rights Um, whereas when it comes to you know the traditional if you like pop music business when you've got publishers looking after song copyrights and um, record companies looking after master rights etc you know the the music industry has always been conditioned into Thinking that those things are always separate but the beauty and proposition of production music is that you can get a one-stop shop for that little bundle that you need thereby making it a simple transaction and process in in an ideal world um, and um, for many years you know the the internet now has actually made that even simpler um, but equally yeah yeah there, there are complexities but Let's hope we're not going to get into the weeds of that these that uh, today. Anyway, <laughs> it's an overview, right?
0: It's an overview, absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, what are the different types of production music? What does production music cover? Where would you where would you consume production music as a listener? Mm.
1: Um, well, I guess I, I think of it in terms of uh, you know users as as opposed to listeners, really. Mm. I mean, you know, from a production music, with my hat on, as a production music sort of. Um, marketing executive, uh, for want of a better term, then, you know, I'm kind of thinking about who's going to be licensing music, where are my opportunities to um, stick some tracks under people's noses, which are going to work for them, uh, and, and, you know, both creatively and, you know, financially, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, there's a variety of places that people can get that increasingly these days. Uh, the internet is probably, you know, the broadest um generalization as to what the source is um and every uh publishing company every business which makes music available does so in a variety of ways i mean most commonly obviously through their own website and search tools that they provide um through my business now harvest media that's very much um what we do we drive uh the the search behind an awful lot of the production music businesses around the world and um i used to be very much involved with that at EMI as well when we worked with uh, our libraries and, and a bunch of other uh, uh, non-EMI companies as well when we all ran um, a collective sort of online service together called play um, but um, yeah it's, it's all about marketing really people who are looking for music for legitimate licensing purposes um you know might well Google or look up you know various sources um or come across it through other people that they know that have used this that or the other um but quite often they're promoted too as well so it's about um, awareness of different labels and sources in the marketplace um you know and uh, and even writers themselves going out obviously and promoting themselves through socials etc and projects that they might produce
0: and so are there different um, outlets for different actual types of media? So think about where the music would actually end up. If you're looking for your music to end up on TV, in films, in games, in adverts, I'm sure there are outlets yeah. that I've not thought of there, uh, you know. <laughs> or,
1: yeah, I see yeah. what you mean. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that certainly some catalogues promote themselves in certain areas more than others. Um, some have stronger um, reputations and presence in certain um genres in certain markets than others um, i'd say probably the trailer market the movie trailer market is a good example of that um, you know that's a very uh specialist area of uh, um, very high quality um you know multi-channel uh, uh, tracks that might be promoted in certain well to those people that are making those trailers um you know and it, it's uh it's often at the higher end of the licensing model as well Um, but the guys that are, you know, producing those kind of catalogues and those kind of albums um, might not necessarily be working in other areas of the business, and indeed those catalogues themselves may well not um, uh, promote themselves in other areas of business because that's their focus. So as with everything, you know, there are special specialities and and, um, specialists, I suppose, within any market, but um, the broader market is audiovisual. You know, it can be anything, uh, as um, anyone from um you know social channels and individual makers these days through blanket licenses on 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 uh with some of the social networks etc um up to you know the professional day-to-day and radio commercials radio producers you know like i said it's not only about uh, visuals as well but there are audio podcasts etc um users too uh, all, all of whom that may, may be looking for tracks to accompany their their productions
0: Great. So there really is a a range that isn't there. So there's audio, advertising, podcasts, radio, all of which could be encompassed by that. And then there's um, movie trailers, advertising on TV, TV programmes themselves, films, games. yeah.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, we, in the UK, uh, for forever, there's always been, um, as a sort of benchmark, MCPS as a licensing body uh, publishes a production music rate card, which... Uh, lays out any number of um, those kind of categories and has different mm. um, different rates for different applications. Um, you know, in other countries where there isn't an MCPS and indeed in this country, there's plenty of uh, alternative rate cards as well. But that's very often seen as sort of like a, a, a benchmark, if you like, of what the um, transactional rates might be when mm. licenses uh, are obtained and promoted outside of a, a blanket license arrangement.
0: Great. And so let's say that, you know, I'm a composer wanting to move into writing production music and I kind of need a steer on what, you know, what, what should I be thinking about? Should I be thinking about spe- specifically going for a particular type of end goal in terms of wanting it to appear in a certain way in the media? Or should I be, you know, what, how should I be making those kind of
1: decisions? I decisions? I think it starts with your own, your own creative output, really. I, th- I think it's um, in an ideal world, you know, uh, if a writer has a real real strength that they recognize I mean you know if, if they could marry uh, the creative strengths that they have with the the um, application that they consider that would be good for um, then they may already have a, um, a, a strong idea of what of the type of usage that they're looking to hope to get but also therefore of the partners in, you know, in you know in the likes of music libraries etc that might be suitable for them to approach and and um and work with um i think all too often for for every good reason writers often say well i can do anything you know whatever you want just tell me what you want and i'll do it but that's not very helpful to people when they're commissioning because you know if you've got 100 writers in a room and all of them say they can do anything you want then it's very difficult to whittle down who to ask to do what so you know naturally um specialisms come to the fore and i think people don't like to pigeonhole themselves, perhaps by saying, nailing their colours to the mast and saying, you know, this is what I do. But um, I actually think that it's more helpful to do that, especially if you do your quiet research as to whom that uh, specialism may be useful to and approach them by demonstrating any um, research that you've done into what they do and, and, and highlighting, you know, the, the marriage that you see between your work as a writer and the partner that you're looking to you know making reference to the kinds of stuff that they often would do i mean obviously as i say that the obvious pitfall is that the answer might be well we've already got that haven't we but um, you know uh, you, you can always get more you can always get new interpretations of music i mean everything's been done before um you know i hear a lot of writers and a lot of libraries say well i, I just you know i do the best um but you know it might be true but you're not the first person to say that so it's not always helpful either but um yeah it research ultimately i think is Mm. is a really good discipline
0: understanding your market and understanding yourself and your strengths i suppose yeah
1: exactly Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and trying to find the you know the linkage between those yeah
0: Fab, thank you. And then uh, we've touched on this already. Um, Ken, and I, I'm aware of what I'm asking here, but please, can you give us a snapshot overview of copyright?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, probably the honest answer is no. Yeah. Um, but equally, uh, and then the next, you know, serious caveat is: I am not a lawyer. Do not listen to me. Um, but you know, from a day-to-day perspective. Um, you know, I'm not qualified to give advice, I should say. But um, from a day-to-day perspective, I think like number one thing that any writer certainly should know is, and and hopefully does anyway, um, is that if they're British at least, then they should be thinking about joining the Performing Rights Society. Um, and uh, that is the organisation that will um, represent you and licence your works for the performance of the, the composition, your actual compositions yourself. Um, thereafter there are other rights you know just by joining that doesn't mean that you're covered Um, you know you are also when you're making a recording you're making a copyright inherent in that recording and indeed if you enter into an agreement then with um, a library then they'll uh, probably issue with you with a contract to look over which will cover the ins and outs of the rights uh, inherent in that recording and what you um offer them in relation to the song as well um it should acknowledge that you're already a prs member or indeed one of the affiliate associations around the world that prs work with um and it should recognize that um in in that uh, assignment or you know the grant of rights in in the uh, agreement that that they present you that you're granting them um warranties that you haven't ripped anyone else off basically um but also you know usually the exclusive uh, ability to um promote um and that awful word exploit their copyrights um which is intended you know in the best possible way exploitation has taken on a different meaning i think but uh you know it, it it's about making the most of the work on your behalf and that contract Um, is the handshake between you and any party that you work with that says okay well i have these rights i recognize i have these rights this is the agreement by which i'm lending them to you to go off and um you know hopefully place the tracks and and works here and there and um
0: you know earn us
1: a few bob that will uh come both via um, via the publisher and also with the performing right the writer share probably via the prs as well um so yeah i mean that's not a legal overview but i'd be hesitant to do that clearly no no um, that's but, very clear thank yeah, you yeah,
0: yeah was, it's a sort of user's overview which is very yeah well, very helpful the, yeah i mean even yeah. that
1: is probably you know too long-winded because you know back to back to the word of complexity you know it's very yawn you know and kind of quite boring to kind of uh, go through all of that stuff but it's ultimately necessary and and certainly from a prs perspective and any um collective rights management sort of um initiatives you know it's important to be in a club like that and to sort of band it together and maximize the um opportunities and the value of um of rights appropriately you know there's an awful lot of businesses out there these days who will say oh you don't worry about any of that you know we'll look after you and do it on a separate sort of you know um basis which doesn't involve any of the old you know perhaps perceived as you know fuddy-duddy organizations but Ultimately, they're there to um, protect the value of the usage of music going forward and hopefully, you know, maintaining the opportunity for young writers coming through to make a career out of it for years to come.
0: Absolutely. And there's a big pushback against those kind of alternative arrangements at the moment in the campaign against buyouts, which is something the uh, the MUR sponsors are very, uh, very much vocal about and leading on so um absolutely right too yeah absolutely yeah those rights are absolutely are are precious and the thing is i mean you're right there is there is a real tension and probably the the, one of the major underlying reasons why we're doing this um podcast series um between us the mu and um, media tracks which is that um there is a lot of um legality and perhaps less than thrilling uh detail involved in making production music as there is with all music but especially probably with production music and um and yeah demystifying and talking about that as we're doing now is is really important because the the, the risk is and, and i see this all the time and i'm sure you do as well um is that people don't engage with it because they're busy making their music and then they don't get the rights that they deserve and the money that they deserve
1: absolutely yeah no and it's critical and and it's great to see these days that there is a lot more awareness um you know but equally i think there needs to be a lot more awareness because there's a lot more um sort of you know uh, entrapments out there <laughs> which might um you know grab people as they go along um, whereas uh yeah, once upon a time it was it was much more i mean again when i started in the business you know you couldn't record music at home In fact, Mm. you know, uh, uh, very much you had to engage with a publisher in order to get someone to invest in making a recording for you, Just even just to do a few tracks, because, you know, unless you were wealthy, you didn't have a recording studio at your fingertips. These days you do, but equally that means there's millions more people making music, um, and therefore there's a lot more people not being able to get their music released uh, very easily, and therefore, you know, it's sort of that's good fodder for exploitative Um, markets to open up and to sort of pile things high and sell them cheap on a buyout basis etc so you know we're all very much um working together to make sure that there's more awareness in the market that that uh you know people look at the model before they they sign off on things you know and i know that in the states especially there's been you know i hesitated over the word exclusivity when i was talking about contracts earlier because you know for me it's always been essential To have exclusivity but there's been um a surge of writers in the states that you know sort of recoil against exclusivity because they think well why would i give my track to just one company there might not be any good um but and i think that that in itself says a lot of things it says that they've had their fingers burnt because there's a lot of companies out there that aren't very good because there's all sorts of businesses that you know promise the earth but deliver very little um but it's about it's very much about establishing a relationship in an ideal world with um, between a writer and a publisher to create a a useful broad product, you know, again, that word, but as a, as a catalogue, which grows, certainly um, there's always been trust between users and brands in any, in any market, actually, whether we go to the supermarket and just get, you know stuff to clean the kitchen with um there's there's sort of brands that you recognize and brands that you know are good for this and and good for that and same is the case with um production music libraries actually you know i used to walk into the bbc you know um Graham Library Egton House when it was a physical thing, and uh, you know people would show you an area of a wall of you know red colored albums which they use for drama, for instance. They'd go, oh well I'd always go to this shelf for drama and stuff, or they'd refer to a specific catalogue as being really good. I always reach out to that one for this or that, you know. So mm-hmm. so there is trust between the brand, uh, sorry, between the user and and the library and the catalogue brand, and there needs to be between the catalogue and the writer as well um in an ideal world you're all pushing towards the same goals
0: absolutely it's very well put thank you um and coming up coming from that then perfect to lead into any any top tips you can offer for composers entering uh composers and writers entering the production music industry
1: well yeah i think i kind of went early on that because it it, it's about (laughs) like i said earlier you know really that that would be um about knowing yourself knowing your music knowing your style um you know knowing what you're aiming for perhaps um and then doing some research I mean you know it's about then research into legitimate models you know certainly uh, we'll take it as as read that you know one has already joined uh, the performing rights organization in in your territory let's call it PRS um and um but thereafter yeah who's 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 best place who's the best creative fit as well as the kind of business fit to um what's the ideal world look like who do i want my music to be shown around by you know who do i want going out there and and selling it for me um you know it's about doing research into that and as i said that's about understanding your own strengths and weaknesses perhaps um and leading on your front foot you know going in and sort of if it's a cold approach to a catalog I mean these days sorry to say but everyone gets a hundred emails a day and you know if the subject head, heading is new composer um then it, it might not be the first thing that gets looked at that afternoon um but if it is a cold approach then you know you've got to find novel ways of doing that um as we always have done in, in you know with the with our clients ourselves um and uh, and and demonstrate as i say that you've identified why the subject the catalog that you're approaching would be interested in what you do specifically and lead on the front foot because once you build have the opportunity to build a relationship and you might do one project then you know if you're flexible and easy to work with and deliver on time and you know have got um, you know got your head screwed on then there'll be other opportunities that will follow I hope
0: that's really really helpful advice and and so practical and what underpins it for me what I've really taken from that is the um the, the understanding that you're you're worth investing in and that you're worth having good relationships within the industry from the word go but there's interesting hearing you talk I've heard this sort of like narrative going from things being relatively um so when you couldn't make music yourself obviously the whole industry was much smaller and you could and it was much more controlled in the sense that you needed these collaborations in order to get your music out there then going to this mass approach where anybody could do it but then that leads to untrustworthy practices coming out of organizations who see that there's a lot more music being made and perhaps try and reinvent the way that things are being done not always to the benefit of the people writing the music Um, and that maybe now we're moving back into a place where um, people are able to see that for what it is and able to take control over their own value and relationships.
1: Yeah well certainly awareness and education around that is Mm -hmm. good I mean you know I'm not gonna stop for a minute and think that you know there won't ever be um exploitation going on and the won't you know whatever the whatever the um sort of status quo is there's there's always people that would obviously seek to um undermine that or circumnavigate it or whatever as well so you know it, it's a constantly moving organism but mm-hmm. ultimately uh, everybody who is on the creation side is ultimately attempting to you know rise the, the, raise the size of the pot Um, uh, uh, you know of the income of the potential of the business um and as long as that you know water level keeps rising for everybody then um you know that's good but there are yeah there can be some sort of you know pretty sharp practices which which can sort of you know cut the potential income and and threaten it sort of medium to long term which um, it, yeah, it's something that we need to collectively be aware of and, and, and work, you know, to avoid complying with, really, uh, in our ideal world.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's often early career um, people that end up being more vulnerable to those kind of practices because they have a sense of dues needing to be paid and and that kind of thing, which... Anyone who who listens to this podcast will know what I think about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly. I mean, and and I think we've all had examples and, you know, known people, uh, I've certainly known plenty of people who've been told, you know, well, if you do us a favour this time, then, you know, next time, obviously it'll be much better. But Mm. then next time they said the same thing to somebody else, you know. Um, And so people end up getting music for free um and not necessarily um building you know and, and the writer the, the the compliant writer who's hopefully trying to get their first step on the ladder doesn't necessarily you know they end up being the mug really because if if I mean what I always say you know well if the uh, you know if the cameras are being uh you know bought you know or at least given for free and and you know the director of photography and the editor is free and it's a charity then you know if we're certain that all of those are the case then we should you know we'll, we'll consider it but you know often that's not the case at all it's just yeah. the music
0: and it kind of exactly there is a thing about the music being an add-on isn't there and um i i I'm aware that so I'm, I'm obviously I run a podcast and I, I commissioned the music for this podcast from a, a human who wrote it um uh, from uh, Ella Jarman Pinto a fantastic um composer and she and but I'm in some podcasting groups on social media um for sort of best practice sharing and the number of posts that come up about where's the best free podcast music library you know where can I get this jingle or that jingle or something that sounds like this and I <laughs> they're all it's just a, it, these people are not deliberately exploitative nine times out of ten it's just it's just a cultural thing that it's mm. like you create yeah. a thing you have a concept you invest in making it happen and then you tack some music onto the end well um, yeah but also but it's not like that because it's you know sure, music has far more value than that
1: <laughs> absolutely i mean but i mean we've we've all uh sort of melded into a a world where we expect everything, you know, easy and cheap and fast, um, mm. and and sometimes in a freemium world for nothing too, uh, you know. Obviously, the commercial streaming platforms—I uh, won't name anyone individually—but you know, um, they fostered that sort of mindset whereby mm. you sort of just expect to click and just get on with it. Um, mm. Money changing hands can sometimes be a shock concept, um, and you know, indeed, <laughs> models like that are. Um, you know I you know can evolve where if it's ad supported or whatever, then in certain circumstances, then you know those models exist too um so uh you know it, it, i get that but that that's where it gets complex yeah exactly and
0: we've, we've yeah exactly we've moved away from microcast territory and into you know let's get into the nitty-gritty haven't we so uh, yeah, perhaps yeah. we should round it off there but it's been really fantastic to talk to you about this and thank you so much for opening our series with this great overview i'm sure it'll be really useful for people
1: I hope so katie thanks for your time good to meet thanks
0: you. For your time yeah good to meet you too thank you so much
1: good good Thank you.